0: genuinely can't tell if that's good. Hello, how are you? It's Aiden Jones here. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 19th of October 2021. <sighs> I think I'm tired. Oh man, I just ate a bunch of crap. I just ate, I just ate some really bad food is what I did. I just had some twisties. I had some chocolate and I had two pieces of toast with Vegemite and butter And I sat down at my bed and I watched videos of Norm Macdonald staring at my computer and putting this fucking food in my face. I say that like, maybe I have a weird relationship with food. I I mean, like, I know that that's bad food, but I don't see the results. Like, (laughs) I feel like I eat pretty badly, but I still weigh 70 kilos, you know, so... I'm like, well, then maybe I'm special. Maybe, you know, it doesn't affect me. And uh, I don't, like, you know, I'm waiting to get, I feel like I eat. Is it, maybe I listen to a lot of like American stuff where they're like, you got to pay attention to what you eat. I fucking I eat whatever I want. <laughs> I feel like right now I sound like just a, the most deluded man. I just do whatever I want and it's all good. I feel like it's going to be bad at some point, but I just, I did, I ate that. I got, I have a block of chocolate in the cupboard and I got four, I got eight squares, two rows. And it's like, uh, it's like peanut butter and jelly chocolate. <laughs> what a lunatic. And I had half a big bag of twisties from a picnic the other day. So I grabbed them and I got two slices of toast with butter and Vegemite. And I fucking sat here and I just ate all of it. And my mouth feels very dry right now, but full of flavor. How's this? This is how I know I'm progressing as a person is I ate those twisties and I didn't lick my fingers the whole time. And then at the end, I licked my fingers and then I went into the kitchen and I washed my hands. (laughs) I didn't rub my hands on my pants, you know, I, did, I didn't, I didn't, rub it in my hair. <laughs> I should get to that point where you're like, look, man, my hair's going to get washed sometime. And it's not like a, it's not like so, I didn't buy my hair, so I can't ruin it. Like, so if I just, my hands are kind of dirty, I just like rub them in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucked oh no but i've done that i've done that and i'll do it again i don't you know what i don't know that there's actually anything wrong with that using your hair as like an emergency towel where do you guys What if you got stuff on your hands where are you wiping that furniture do you carry tissues I've just bought tissues for my room and I have tissues in my room now, but they don't feel good. They feel dry and like, eh, 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 eh. you know, nothing beats the satisfying touch of, uh, you know, the side of a chair <laughs> for wiping your greasy hands on when you're fucking eating all like pants or, but it's just a grubby thing to do, right? If you've got nice stuff, you can't be wiping your gross hands on it. Maybe I should buy a handkerchief, 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 chief of the hankers. Maybe I should buy a handkerchief to, um, you know, that'd be kind of cool, right? Is that like nice? Buy a few handkerchiefs because it just feels nicer than tissues. It's also probably environmentally friendlier. Um, do people buy? I swear I was talking to someone the other. Oh, I went on a, I went on a little park date with a girl little park date. Why do I have to belittle it like that? Why can't I just say I went on a date with a girl? I went on a date with a girl, and you know what? I'm fine with that. There's nothing wrong. I'm not ashamed. All right. I went on a date with a girl. <laughs> and she uh she pulled out a handkerchief. I can't even remember why, but she did. And she like, it's something that if you're going to pull out a handkerchief, you got to make note of that, don't you? You got to be like Alright everyone, just to let you all know, I'm going to pull out a handkerchief right now. This is 2021, this is in the 1800s, you've not fallen into a time warp, but I just I want to warn you, I am about to pull out a handkerchief. Yes, I know, it's, this is odd, I understand. And then you pull it out and you fucking, you can't be blowing your nose on a handkerchief though. I think my grandpa has like a nose handkerchief, that's, that's odd. Blow your nose and then like put it back in your pocket, don't, it's for like wiping your hands on, surely. But yeah, I, I, I hate that stuff and that's how I feel now. Um, I don't know what I'm going to talk about this week. i got one thing to talk about. I want to talk about Ham on Rye by Charles Bukowski. I think this thing of me trying to come up with stuff to talk about every week is like most ideas of structurally for this podcast, really running on empty at this point. So I'm just going to fucking abandon it and just go back to talking. By the way, thank you guys for listening. I hope you're well. Thank you. Big ups, actually, to everyone who's come to some park gigs this week. Um, have had another great few gigs. Um, had one on uh, Tuesday in Eddie Gardens, which is awesome. Have one on Saturday. A uh, few more people than you are legally allowed, but hey, it was two picnics. If anyone asks. And um, and then yesterday I had another one. Did I? Yeah, what was the one? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yesterday at Carlton Gardens. Um, so that's a total of six now. I've got another one on Wednesday and I've got another person talking about I've got like some more out. I went around with a photographer um, yesterday, took some photos around Fitzroy. So the plan is to um, have uh, like a, fo- a few photos of me doing the thing in the park and then like get a poster going, do up a little poster I want to say I don't know something like you know free comedy in the park or or like, I don't want to say comedy picnic because that's Simon Taylor did comedy picnic, um so just like comedy in the park or something. Do a poster of that. Put it on Instagram. Put some money behind it. Have ads and just like promote myself for the rest of October until we open up properly. It's park comedy. That's who I am. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm really enjoying the shows. I uh, am having great shows, doing, my, doing Taco, doing the hour in preparation for filming on the 12th of November, which by the way, those tickets will be back on sale maybe tonight. I might do that tonight um, for the 12th of November. If anyone's free on the 12th of November, the tickets will be back on sale, if not tonight, sometime this week. And uh, we're fucking doing it because we are opening up. We're opening up. That fucking announcement yesterday, man, for anyone not in Melbourne, it was, I mean, I just, whatever, I can't, I can't reflect, I can't get bogged down in thinking about how long it's been or how many times it's been of fucking COVID, you know, it's just, it's just depressing, but the moments, you know, it never gets old, coming out of lockdown, as much as lockdown sucks and it sucks in a renewed fashion, every single time, fashion, sorry, I just hiccuped there. Um, (laughs) it has a renewed suckiness every single time we go into lockdown, but every time we get out, it never gets old. Yeah, man, it's fucking, I can't wait. Even though this Friday feels like there's no, no, uh, there's some comedy happening, but I'm not booked for any gigs. Um, Maybe this is the time. You know what, actually? Maybe I can talk about this. I just slapped my knee then. Hey! Maybe I can talk about this. Um, For the last few weeks, I don't want to say... I want to be selective about what I say here. There's been a gig. It's kind of like a speakeasy type situation in, uh, in, let's say, a, a secret venue in Melbourne. And, um not many people go 15 20 uh, not many comedians no comedians that I really like you know regularly kind of run with or whatever but a few different comedians and various people and and it's like a, a kind of hippie setup and uh the last couple of weeks I've gone on Fridays and and you know it's just a gig in a secret location it's elite, it's definitely illegal and and uh it's I guess something that I talked about last week with that guy who I worked with, who was the anti-vaxxer, this place is, you know, the people that are going there are, um, they don't believe in the vaccine. A lot of them. Some of them do, I guess, but a lot of them are just, they're like existing outside of, you know, the law and society. And I don't agree with that. Um, I think if you're not getting the vaccine, you know, you're an idiot, to be honest. Um, But, as I was trying to say last week, I don't think that means that you're a bad person. What was I talking to a guy today? I was talking to a guy today about, I had a friend, a really good friend years ago. I mean, we're still good friends, but years ago, she um, took a job for uh, the Liberal Party, and, uh, you know, like this is a friend of mine who I've been friends with for since I was like 18. And, um, you know, like a, a dear friend. And she took a job for the Liberal Party. And that's not politically who she is. She's very. This was someone who, for me, like explained a lot as a woman of the experience of women and feminism at a time when I was like an angry young dude and was just like, you know, fuck feminists. I should be able to say what I want, whatever. Um, I was very angry and she was the person who kind of sat with me and like explained, you know, how it feels to be a woman and how it feels to be scared and, you know, walk through the park with your keys between your fucking fingers and whatever, all that kind of stuff. and, And just how it feels when people say the kind of stuff, whatever. She she was someone who kind of leaned in towards me and was like, hey man, you know, I understand that you don't want people telling you what to do, but maybe you should think about how they feel. So to then have her work for the Liberal Party, which is not that political party at all, like it just, you know, I hated it. And I brought it up with her a few times and it was like a strain on our friendship. And there was one – and she worked for him for like four years. Um, and I'm not going to say her name. I can't say her name. This is imperative that I don't say her name here. <laughs> her name is F- – <laughs> So um, there was one time she, she uh, was in Melbourne – And we had dinner together and we don't see each other that often. And we had dinner together and, you know, it was like she was a couple years into that. And I was asking her, are you still going to work for him? Is this going to be like the job, the career that you kind of pursue and the further you go down? Like they kept just, you know, I guess at the start she didn't really know exactly what the job was, but she just needed a job. And she had a degree kind of in that area and then they kept offering her like another contract with more money and more money, dangling this like carrot in front of her. It felt really insidious from the outside looking in the way that it kind of happened. And um, I was asking her at this dinner, you know, like are you going to keep working for them? Are you going to keep doing this? When are you going to get out of this fucking game that you're just taking the money and, and do something that's more in line with the person who I know you are? And she got really angry. I can't actually remember what I said. I'm sure I probably said it less diplomatically than that. And I mean, who the fuck am I? You know, people make decisions and it's not really my place, regardless of how good of a friend I am or like how close we are. It's not really my place to tell my friend what she should or shouldn't do with her life. Um, and if I have a problem with that, you know, maybe just end the friendship rather than trying to tell someone what to do if, if I've really got a problem with that. I should be just going, Hey, I don't think I can hang around you if this is what you're going to do, you know, but I didn't do that. And I wouldn't have wanted to do that. I just wanted her to do, I just wanted her to do what I wanted, which is in a way kind of a selfish thing. But whatever I said, she got angry at that dinner and then I got angry and then she got angry and we were fighting and arguing and it ruined the dinner, ruined the night. And, uh, there was a point that night when I was like, you know, are we, is this it for us? Like, is it like it almost ended our friendship. And then a few months later we started talking again and that was kind of a turning point where it was like, Oh, you know, is this really going to be something that we end our friendship over? Or is this just something that maybe we just don't talk about it and we can kind of get past it because our friendship is means enough to the both of us that some fucking job or politics shouldn't get in the way of it. I was talking about that to a guy today because I think what that experience taught me and like it took it being a close friend to kind of be the the illustrative case um it taught me that you shouldn't really judge or it's just it's just kind of silly to judge a person on a personal level based on their political beliefs you know like if you get along with someone then fucking who cares You know, like it's important what they do in their life, but if they're doing stuff that you don't like, then just don't associate with them, but you shouldn't attack someone. It's just, you know, the fucking anger and negativity and whatever. And it took a close friend of mine having maybe different political actions to what I would have preferred for me to realize that those things aren't that important to who a person actually is. And, um, you know, I think the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, if that could be true for a close friend, maybe that can also be true for people that aren't close friends, the people that are just, you know, that who I meet, who have different ideas or whatever. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, so I go to this place to do comedy around these people who have very different political views to me. And I, I've been enjoying, I've got a lot of like, I guess, conflicted feelings. No, 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 no I'm not conflicted. It's weird for me to tell people that I've been going to this place and hanging out with people who have different political views to me because there's like an element of shame to it. It's like if I'm going there and being around these people, does that mean that I'm endorsing, you know, this like does that mean that I'm endorsing their views by hanging out with them? I don't think it does. But, I feel like other people might think it does, and I don't want other people to judge me, so I'm always you know quick on the defensive, oh, I'm going to this, but don't worry, I don't think that um and I've been going on stage there, and i I get why why am I going? The reason I'm going is because I wanna do comedy that's the main thing I just wanna do I just want to do stand up, and that's the place where i'm I'm able to do like as much as these park shows are like. They're good, they're fun, whatever. It's not real comedy. I'm just going and telling jokes that I've already worked out. But I, I don't really think that I could work out new jokes in front of a park audience. Maybe I could. I haven't tried. Maybe I could if I tried. I'd have to sell it to them as that. I'd have to be like, hey, I want to do my show, but also I might do 10 minutes of new stuff. And you know what? Maybe I should do that. Stop being a fucking coward. But anyway, the reason I'm doing these, these shows at these secret shows. Secret shows. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Is um is because I just want to do stand up and there's a place that I can do stand up. But what I've found in doing them is as much as I don't agree with anything these people say and I'm doing comedy to them, it's very helpful to do comedy to people that I don't agree with. Um it's also been really I guess like I mean, I'm I, I'm not hiding that I disagree with them. I'm going on stage and going, hey, I think all you guys are fucking stupid. And they don't get angry. They don't yell at me. They don't, you know, go fuck you. They just like, they sit there and listen. Sometimes they laugh if I say something funny or if I don't say it funny, they're still just like, eh, all right, man. Like they're just, you know, they're just people. <laughs> um, I guess what I'm trying to say is in... These moments right now when everyone is still really charged and there is a lot of anger around for people who are seem to be not doing the thing that we're all supposed to do. I mean, there's consequences for not getting vaccinated and I think those consequences are good if you're not vaccinated. I don't think you should be allowed to go to bars and pubs and stuff because it's just fucking... It's a matter of safety. It's a matter of not overwhelming the health system. But that doesn't mean that a person who isn't vaccinated is like... You know, an awful person, and you should cut them out of society completely. I don't know. Anyway, why am I fucking? To- why am I talking about this? What the fuck is wrong with me? We're opening up. It's a happy time. I feel great. I'm doing. There's an, another one of those shows that's happening, but it's on Friday, so it's after we've opened up. So, you know, it's not illegal anymore. It's great, and uh, I'm going to go to it, and I'm going to do comedy at it, and I'm going to feel really good. I've got some more shows this week. I've got... What am I looking forward to? Oh, my God. man! my mate built a bar in the backyard of my house. My mate came around. I've been breaking the rules. I feel like everyone's been breaking the rules. My mate came around and we built a bar out of pallets. We, like, stole some pallets from a fucking... <laughs> what have I done recently that isn't against the law? God damn it. Or maybe they should stop fucking making fun shit illegal, yeah? <laughs> we, we stole some fucking pallets from like a, you know, like some industrial site and, and then brought them back here and and got a, some fucking drills and screws and all this kind of crap and screwed them together to make a bar. Then uh, in the next few weeks, once Bunnings opens up, me and my housemates are going to paint them. We've got a nice lilac and orange, kind of pastel orange colour scheme going. I found uh, me and my housemate cleaned out our shed around the side of the house. The project of like, you know, getting the house ready for summer is continuing. There's like a rickety... Oh my God, actually, this is a cool story. Fuck, why did I talk about that fucking gig? God damn it. I told myself I wasn't going to talk about it because I shouldn't talk about it because it's a secret thing, but... Whatever. Less people have been listening to my podcast recently, by the way. So, actually, to be honest, it makes me feel more <laughs> makes me feel more confident to talk about personal things. It's like <laughs> the fewer people who listen to the podcast, the more ballsy I'm going to get with revealing topics. Yeah. Eventually, the podcast is going to keep getting objectively better and better as fewer and fewer people listen to it until no one's listening to it. And then it'll be the best podcast that it's ever going to possibly be. <laughs> um, so, the, um, yeah, the project of, of getting the house ready for summer continues. We've got a shed around the side of our place and it's just tiny rickety-ass shed and it was full of crap. So, uh, me and one of my housemates cleaned it out. And uh, that was a fun little Saturday activity Saturday morning. We got um I found this, yeah, big square, I guess it's like a tile, I don't know what it is, some like maybe like fifty by fifty centimeters, and um, found a bit of spray paint in there. And so I spray painted this throwback to an old thing. When I was like nineteen, me and my mates were going around doing like graffiti on walls and stuff. And I never had a tag or a thing that I used to write, so I would just write, try and write something funny. And um, one time I, I saw a wall and I wanted to write number one gangster <laughs> on the wall. But uh, I wrote like, like hash one and then I started writing gangster and I realized I was going to run out of room. <laughs> so I just wrote number one gang. <laughs> and... Um, and I uh, just, we all thought that was really funny. So we just started calling ourselves number one gang and I wrote number one gang everywhere. And so i on this tile with this spray paint that I found in the shed. I wrote number one gang and I, I put it against the fence where we were going to put the bass And when my mate came around, because he was one of the people in on the joke, he was like, ha ha ha, number one gang. And we've stuck it to the fence. I might redo it in like better colors and just like a bit nicer. Um... And then we'll put that up in front of the bar and that'll be like the centerpiece of the bar, number one gang bar. So uh, yeah, we did that, cleaned out the shed. And what we found, this is the cool story. We found a fucking, um, like an old suitcase. And this, I've got to give my housemate credit for this because I was there, but he made the discovery. He opened up this old suitcase and there was like stuff from this chick who used to live here for like her life. There was like a, a, first of all, there was a fucking MacBook, like an old MacBook, but like a good one. And there were like old certificates of hers. Uh, There was like a diploma that she got, all her old diaries and stuff from like 2017. And there was a bike lock, which I've stolen. That's mine now. I reckon you leave your stuff at someone's house where you don't live anymore and that's fucking, that's up for grabs. Um, But the rest of the stuff, there's like some photos, like like developed photos of like her at school and stuff. Like, you know, just like a box of personal shit that everyone has. And we found hers and, you know, we read some of her diary. (laughs) Because... What else are you gonna do in a fucking lockdown other than snoop through someone's, <laughs> invade someone's privacy? It was pretty juicy stuff. Uh, it wasn't that juicy? But it was cool, you know. Whatever. This person that we don't know. Um, I think. Uh, I think one of the guys looked her up and is gonna try and get her stuff back to her, even just to return the MacBook. Really, but that bike lock's mine now. That's my bike lock, idiot. So yeah, we found that. We were like going through it in the kitchen. It's like a little fucking snoop fest. Some You know, one of the housemates was like, oh, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable. And the other one of the housemates was like, no, I'm going to keep reading. I'm just like reading entries from the diary. aloud. Anyway, that was fucking cool. That was a nice Saturday. Yeah, we're coming in, there, We're coming in a summer. Um, I'm excited as the garden grows. I mulched the garden last week. Got some newspaper, got some mulch. Finally, a fucking ordeal from Vasilis Garden Store. Big shout outs to Vasilis, the local garden store, the local garden store slash cafe, and it is a very big slash, guys. Uh, <laughs> there's a garden store near us called Vasilis, like garden store and cafe or fucking whatever. And a hundred percent, the only reason they're a cafe is so they can stay open during lockdown and. <laughs> Keep selling garden supplies. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. And I guess, you know, the authorities turn a blind eye or it's too small of a concern to even worry about. So, yeah, there's a garden store in Coburg that you can walk into because they have a coffee machine. Um, I waited for my fucking mulch. I got one bag of mulch like two weeks ago and then I waited another week and a half to get the other five bags of mulch that they had on order and they finally got them in. So I mulched the garden this week. Um, the capsicums are down. The chilies are down. Our herbs are down. Flowers are down. Tomatoes from my grandpa are still growing in their little beds waiting for them to get big enough so that I can transplant them into the ground. And uh, beetroot seeds that I grew uh, also still waiting for them to get big enough. But everything's almost ready. I've put grass in in this little spot, the grass is coming up. Man, this yard, I'm telling you, this yard's gonna be fucking sick for summer. I'm very excited about that. And the prospects of having a bar, a nice yard. We're gonna get a little fire area. I might like we got some like a bunch of junk wood out of the shed. I kind of just want to set that on fire this week. That'll be fun. Have an outdoor fire. <sighs> anyway, I was gonna read a little bit of ham on rye this week by uh charles bukowski don't know if you guys know bukowski i've been loving him again i went through all my books when i moved in and uh, a bunch of good stuff that i bought when i was younger and this one was the first bukowski that i read i think i read a bunch of his books and uh i decided to read this again because i don't often read books again but i think it's nice something that i read years ago that i loved how's it going to connect with me now and um man i really forgot like I love some of, Bukowski, some of Bukowski's poems are my favourite poems, Air and Light and Space and Time. God, I've got the fucking hickey dicky dick-ups today, don't I? The hickey dicky dick-ups. <laughs> He's got the hickey dicky dick-ups. <laughs> oh, oh, that felt bad to do <laughs> and involve you guys in. Um... <laughs> Uh <sighs> um yeah air and light and space and time is a favorite the bluebird is a new favorite uh beasts bounding through time is another fa- he's got some great poems but i forgot that his prose is like hemingway he hates women anyway, um, <laughs> he does though but also like hemingway um no wasted words And it's really cool to read because it helps me when I write, even just when I'm writing in my notebook, to go like, you know, do I really need to say really? Do I really need to say like little adverbs like that? Is that an adverb? Really? No, that's an adjective. Or like adverb or just any of those fucking excess words. You just, no fat. What's going on? What's happening? Just fucking get straight to the point and don't fucking dance around with your words. Um. And the book Ham on Rye is autobiographical, it's about him growing up and uh, I guess his dad used to beat him and he was a bit of an outcast as a kid and he just as he was like starting at the start of high school to become accepted by all these kids, his dad, because of his ideas about who he wanted his son to be, he wanted his son to get in with the right crowd. Um, his dad moved him to some fucking richo school and he didn't fit in there and he had some horrific acne and like cysts and boils all over his body. And so he was an outcast because of that. And it's just a bunch of stories and remembrances that he has in vaguely chronological order from growing up in this family when he just felt outcast from everyone. He doesn't really feel like he has anyone. Um and you know, fucked things happen to him. He fucking he's like 14 and he hits on his mate's mum, and his mate's mum shows him her pussy that kind of stuff, stuff about drinking, stuff about just being a kid, and he's just he's very honest, it feels like he's a man who has nothing to lose, is where he's writing from, you know, he's an old man, there's a long time in the past, and he also is an outcast anyway, so he's like, well, what the fuck are people going to do, if I tell him this shit, you know, um, and this one, I'm going to read about a page, yeah, yeah, I'll read about a page here, um, And you'll see, first of all, the style of writing and the way that he just gets right to the point is so great. But then also, this story is kind of... He doesn't really... What I like is he doesn't veer off into... God, I couldn't think of the word today when I was trying to describe it to someone... Like he doesn't start opining about the things that he's talking about, you know, like he's telling a story and, you know, that day that I fell off my bike, it really was a pivotal point for me because he's like he doesn't start analysing shit or philosophising about the stories or giving his kind of take on it or whatever, moralising. He just tells you the story and kind of, he tells you how he felt and he tells you the story. He tells you how he felt in the moment. He doesn't reflect on it. He just tells it and and it kind of is empowering as a reader because it makes you feel like, well, this guy trusts me as his audience enough to just tell me the thing and let me make up my own mind. Um, it feels like he's treating you intellectually like an equal. He's not talking down to you. He's not expecting or he's not scared of your judgment but he's also, you know, he's just allowing you the space to judge him if you want to and it makes you want to, be a little bit more objective about the way that you judge him, and not you know just shame him for the obvious like poor choices that he's made here. Um, if I guess it, it feels like if some of the things in the book, like if he tried to defend them, you'd almost be more inclined to judge him on them because it's like, well, he's trying to defend him, he's trying to make me think that he's a good guy, but he's not trying to do that, and so it makes me want to like him more. Anyway, this little bit is something that I read last night and it's from uh, his senior prom at this school with all the rich kids and the the good-looking guys would drive up in their nice cars and the girls would get into those cars and he would look at them and no girls ever paid him any attention because he was ugly as fuck and he was also poor and he was angry and he used to fight people but he was like the toughest kid in the school. Finally, it was the day of senior prom. It was held in the girls' gym with live music, a real band – I didn't know why, but I walked over that night, the two and a, the two and one half miles from my parents' place. I stood outside in the dark and I looked in there through the wire-covered window and I was astonished. By the way, I love that he says, from my parents' place. Like so often in the book, he doesn't say from my home. At another point, he goes, and I went back to where I lived because it's like... He doesn't feel at home there. It's his parents' place. He's In this book, he's graduating school. So he's like 17, senior prom. And he still he calls the place where he lives his parents' place. Just a real, you know, it's good writing. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I stood outside in the dark and I looked in there through the wire-covered window and I was astonished. All the girls looked very grown up, stately, lovely. They were in long dresses, and they all looked beautiful. I almost didn't recognise them. And the boys in their tuxes, they looked great. They danced so straight, each of them holding a girl in his arms, their faces pressed against the girl's hair. They all danced beautifully, and the music was loud and clear and good, powerful. Then I caught a glimpse of my reflection staring in at them, boils and scars on my face, my ragged shirt. I was like some jungle animal, drawn to the light and looking in. Why had I come... I felt sick, but I kept watching. The dance ended. There was a pause. Couples spoke easily to each other. It was natural and civilized. Where had they learned to converse and to dance? I couldn't converse or dance. Everybody knew something I didn't know. The girls looked so good. The boys so handsome. I would be too terrified to even look at one of those girls, let alone be close to one. To look into her eyes or to dance with her would be beyond me. And yet I knew that what I saw wasn't as simple and good as it appeared. There was a price to be paid for it all, a general falsity that could be easily believed and could be the first step down a dead-end street. The band began to play again and the boys and girls began to dance again and the lights revolved overhead throwing shades of gold, then red, then blue, then green, then gold again on the couples. As I watched them, I said to myself, someday my dance will begin. When that day comes, I will have something that they don't have. But then it got to be too much for me. I hated them. I hated their beauty, their untroubled youth. And as I watched them dance through the magic-coloured pools of light, holding each other, feeling so good, little unscathed children temporarily in luck, I hated them because they had something I had not yet had. And I said to myself, I said to myself again, Someday I will be as happy as any of you. You will see. that's yeah I don't know I don't know what I liked about that just something about that someday my dance will begin and I'll have something that they don't have it kind of felt like a way of like that's what it feels to be that's jealousy isn't it that's what he's feeling right there he's jealous of them but he doesn't say that he feels jealous he's explaining the jealousy I don't know you know the thought that I had I think I trailed off in the middle of that mentally because I had this thought the way that he describes things that he does and doesn't moralize or reflect on them or try and justify them, he just tells them and allows you to judge them. I realized that during this podcast, I did not do that when I told you guys that I've been doing stand up in this illegal show for the last few weeks, every Friday. And, um, yeah, I didn't I didn't let you judge me. Maybe, I mean, I could say, you know, it's because Bukowski has more distance time-wise from those events, so it's easier for him to detach himself from them. But I kind of wish now that I just told you that I've been doing that and not even allowed... Like, as soon as I start moralizing about it, that is kind of a cue for you guys to start going, oh, you know, maybe I wonder how I feel morally about that. And it's almost like if I just said it, you know, maybe... I don't know. I guess I have a little bit of guilt about doing the wrong thing but I've still decided to do the wrong thing because I've decided that I don't think the consequences of me doing the wrong thing are that bad at this point. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I think that's the podcast, man. I'm looking forward to opening up. I'm looking forward to doing this gig on Friday. I'm looking forward to more park gigs. I'm looking forward to... um recording my show on the 12th of november i uh, hope you guys are doing good man and um, if you've liked this hit me up sitting under a tree at sitting under podcast sorry on instagram and um give us a fucking five star review, you can on itunes do it you know you want to do it you love it thank you very much for listening this has been aiden jones sitting under a tree peace